Matthew chapter 11. Uh, if, if, you, if you want to follow along, I always would love for you to follow along and you want to grab one of the blue Bibles or you brought a Bible, turn to uh, Luke chapter 10. We're going to start there. I'm just going to hit Matthew 11 real quick because this is like our inspiration verse for this series. So Luke uh, 10, and, and incidentally, if you don't um, have a Bible or you don't have one that's in an easily readable translation, just put your name in one of the blue ones and take it with you. It's yours. We'd love for you to have it. So Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we're talking in this series through the fall, we call it Travel Light. And I'm talking about some things that Jesus invites us to lay down like these heavy things that we carry through life that he invites us to lay down. To lay down. And, and some of them we want to lay down, things like guilt that we talked about or um, um, anxiety. Uh, but then some things he's going to say, why don't you lay that down? And we're kind of like, no, I don't want to lay that down. And, and so this morning, oh, there, there are a lot of implications to this stuff that we're going to talk through. And, and, um, and, and remember... Not everything Jesus said made him popular. Uh, you know, we're spending, I'm going to read three stories from Luke, but earlier in Luke, you really see this because it's like the first few chapters of Luke, it's all very subversive. Subversive meaning like counter uh, whatever the political flow is, whatever the, the culture flow is, it's kind of like rage against that. Um, uh, it's all very subversive as, as there are um, the, these early enunciations of who Jesus would be in a, in a language or in a culture where Caesar is Lord and Caesar has exclusive rights to son of God title. Uh, this all of a sudden introduces a different king. Uh, it crowns a different king. And there are times in the book of Luke where people want to crown Jesus king. But, but as all this gets started, you get to, to Luke chapter 4 and, and, and we're getting ready to launch into Jesus' public ministry. And with his first act, his first uh, preaching moment um, in his hometown, no less, they, they literally want to shove him off a cliff. It's like, this is going well so far. But, but you get these back and forth of, of some things Jesus says, and we want to crown him. Like, bring me your guilt and lay it down. And we're like, yes, I want that. Crown, crown this guy king. But then there are other things that he says to the same crowds, and they're ready to push him off a cliff. And there should be times, if you're really listening to Scripture, really listening to Jesus, um, uh, where, where you get that both. Like, I mean, I hope you really don't want to push Jesus off a cliff, but you get that point where you're like, oh, I don't like that at all. And your defenses are up, and, and, and you're ready to be aggressive against. And so we read this today, and, and man, um, this stuff... It, Jesus is going to tell us to lay down our rights. Lay down our rights. And it's kind of like there are these things that we fight to hang on to. We cling to our rights. Uh, but there's also um, this element that, that, that's tied to... That there's a similar vein, and I can't really even, even explain it, but it's kind of like not only do we cling to our rights, but also when we see somebody doing something that we don't feel they have the right to do, like we get all bent. We get all bent out of shape and frustrated. So it's not only clinging to our rights, but there's also this thing where we see other people, you know, she got that promotion, I deserve that promotion. 
He gets away with everything. He can do anything because he's the boss's kid. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like that thing that, that really frustrates us. that We get all just twisted. But there's also... Um, um, it, it speaks to um, uh, politics. Um, man, that, that those, those guys are, are not standing for the flag. Why do they, who do they think that? Why, this guy, they, they, he thinks he has a right to own an AR-15. It speaks to rights. It speaks to my... I, 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 I have a constitutional right for this. I mean, we're talking um, gay rights and women's right to choose and, and gun control. There's just all kinds of political implications with this right stuff. <clears throat> so here's my challenge for you today. You can listen to the words of Jesus one of two ways. Um, assuming you're, you're interested in what he has to say. You can listen to it uh, with those people in mind. Oh, I wish they, yeah, they really need to hear what Jesus had to say about rights. Or you can keep it centered on you. And I hope today with this stuff you'll keep it centered on you. How does this rights stuff apply to me. Keep it internal and apply it to you first. Okay, so, so uh, let's, let's, let's get into it. Um, Luke 10, I'm going to start. So three stories of Jesus and then uh, some of his very famous teaching on rights from Matthew 5 to close out. <clears throat> Story number one, Mary and Martha. Very famous story. I'm going to read it, and then we'll break it down. This is in Luke 10. I'm going to start with 38, verse 38. Uh, Who's got it in the Blue Bible? What page is it on in the Blue Bible? 963. Okay, 963 if you're trying to find Luke in the... Again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, the uh, the biographies of Jesus, the life and teachings of Jesus. Okay. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village... And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. What did she do? She sat at the Lord's feet. Keep that in mind. She sat at the Lord's feet. That's a hinge for this story. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him And said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So this story begins with somebody bent about something someone else is doing and something they're stuck with doing, okay? They're bent and they approach Jesus saying, sort this out, I'm not uh, getting what I'm entitled to or she is getting away with something. And the story ends with Jesus reminding her or saying it's really all about the presence of God. That's all that really matters is the presence of God. Now, there is something... uh, Baked into this story, <coughs> sorry, about, um, about rights that, that we miss. 
most people tend to see this as a story about type A personalities. Like Martha's all task-oriented and Mary's all relational. And this is a story about finding relational uh, time for God in a task-driven world. That, that's kind of like uh, some, someday, you know, thousands of years from now, hopefully thousands of years from now, when America has been, you know, destroyed and buried and, and like other civilizations have emerged and they, they dig up uh, uh, archaeological dig in, in America and they uncover uh, the story of Rosa Parks. And someone's going to say thousands of years from now, here's a story about a woman who wanted a better seat on the bus so that she could have a better view of the scenery. Like that totally misses the point of, uh, and so that's, that's what we kind of do when we make this a story about type A personalities. Because really, where was Mary sitting? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. This was a loaded statement that would have brought scandal. Why? Because rabbis taught, and when they taught on an official level, their disciples sat at their feet. Who were the disciples? Men. Women did not belong, and again, we're talking about thousands of years ago, not making any... I'm going to get run out of here. Women did not belong at the feet of a rabbi. They belonged in the kitchen, serving and preparing. That was cultural rule. That was like, like seriously, like the society was governed by that. Those were the rules. And in a religious society governed by religious hierarchy and all that, like that was, that was an understanding of this is how the world works. We belong in here. The men belong out there. She is somewhere where she is not supposed to be. Jesus, she does not have the right to be there. Get her in the kitchen with me. So when Jesus responds the way he does, he's breaking down huge cultural understandings of who belongs where and who has what right. But in doing so, he also labels the whole thing as a distraction. It's as if he's saying, you know what, the dishes and trying to sort out who needs to be where, you're distracted. What's clearly the best place to be is at the feet of Jesus or learning from God. So here's what I want you to see in story number one. Because when you, when you look at these Gospels and you start to see, it's just like any, anything. When you see people hitting the same theme over and over again, like that's a thing. That's a thing this author wants us to be aware of. And we're going to see this theme develop. There's a story where somebody approaches Jesus because they're frustrated because something's going on to benefit someone else and they feel like they're being slighted. They're bent. They're slighted. And Jesus responds by saying, you know, why don't you just lay that down and let the presence of God be enough? Do you see the way that story kind of starts out there and ends up with being about the presence of God? Mary, uh, Mary has chosen uh, what's better and it won't be taken from where she, she's in the presence of Jesus. So that's story number one. We're going to get to um, uh, an even uh, more, um, what's the word, um, I'm impassioned. Um, yeah, I'll just read it and that'll describe it. Before I spend five minutes trying to come up with the right adjective. All right, a uh, couple chapters later in Luke 12. Um, don't get fixated on the possessions part of this story. We're going to handle that in a couple weeks, okay? So, so I'm going to read it over, but don't get fixated there. I'll tell you where to, 
Um, that we're going to start in, in verse 13. Uh, Luke 12, <clears throat> verse 13. Again, this is just a couple paragraphs after Mary and Martha, a story where Jesus was approached with a, somebody frustrated about who's doing what. And it ends with, why don't you let the presence of God be enough? Okay, so here we go. Um, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? We'll get back to that ridiculous question from Jesus. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. It's a tough word to say. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And, and I'm just kind of skimming through here quickly because this isn't the important part for today. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What will I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. I got no more room in the fridge for these leftovers. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And, and there I'll store all my grains and goods. And I'll say to myself, You're good. You're good. Set for life, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and the things you've prepared, then whose will they be? And here we go. Here's the money statement. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So you see the way this is the same thing. Somebody comes to Jesus saying, Hey, Tell him to make this right. He's got that. I need that. This isn't organized properly. Fix that. I'm entitled to that. He's not. Jesus fixed this. And Jesus then works around to essentially saying the same thing that he told Mary. You know what? Why don't you worry about being rich in God? Let the presence of God be your enough. Lay down your desires and be content in the presence of God. And this is a hard one because this wasn't fair. I mean, this guy was entitled to his share of the inheritance. This is like a legit, I think we would all agree that if we had a, I mean, I'm an only child, so I don't have to worry about this. But if, if we had, you know, fighting with us, and some of you have been there, where there's real problems because of inheritance. And you know that can tear apart families. And, and this guy has legitimate beef. And he's asking Jesus. Now, here's the thing that's bugged me for years. And I mean it. This has bugged me for years. That is the most ridiculous thing Jesus could have said. Who made me judge? This is the guy that will judge everyone who has ever held a gavel. Like judge with a capital J. And he says, who made me judge? That, you see, that, that, that is one of the most ridiculous things that any human could ever say, anyone could ever say, who made me judge when you are the judge of the world? Just, just, and I've always, man, other people get a free pass for saying stupid things, but not Jesus, because he's Jesus. Like, like there's, if I told you the, the, um, the, the um, turbine story, my family member with the turbine, like literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, here, here's the, Look, yeah, I'm not seeing everybody like, yeah, we heard that. So here, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You ready? We're at this family gathering, 4th of July, a family gathering. And, um, and one of the, one of the um, like, distant family member through marriage, so I have no blood relation to this person. <laughs> I, I was probably in my early 20s, and, and the 50-plus the, the crowd was, was having their 
solve all the problems of the world discussions that break out at these family gatherings. And they were talking about um, energy and, and, you know, coal and gas and whatever. And, and wind turbines came up. And the fact that all these wind turbines are popping up all over the place. And, and this man said, with all these turbines, what are they going to do when it takes all the wind away? the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And he was like dead serious. And it was one of those moments where your brain's just like, like there was no next thing. It, it had to, it, it, so Jesus says, who made me judge? And the answer is, you just are because you're God. That's the answer. And and it has bothered me for years. And I was out walking this past week and it just hit me. I think Jesus is demonstrating what he's teaching. There's almost a wink with this. So, so, So Jesus, the judge of all, at any moment was more than willing to lay down his claim to that right. Because what Jesus was doing, it would have been way easier, more efficient to just say, you do that, you do that, you get that, or you don't get, or whatever. But he has no need to hold on to all of his rights, even as God, which is kind of his whole like, mode of operating. Paul says he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself a servant. He laid down his rights regularly. When the symbol of Christianity is the cross, then we as followers of Jesus shouldn't feel like somehow we have to hold on to everything. So there's this legitimate um, dispute, and it ends with Jesus saying, why don't you lay it down and let the present let be rich in connection with God. And in doing so, he does this amazing demonstration of laying down his gavel, laying down his right to be judge for us to see what the humility looks like to say, you know what, I don't need to take on every benefit, privilege, every advantage, every whatever. And there's a lot that we can apply with this principle to life that isn't fun. Because the problem was, the, the, like, the brother was being a punk. And he was getting away with it. <clears throat> and there's nothing more frustrating in life than when somebody is, is somehow in a position to get away. Like, that gnaws at our soul, doesn't it? Like that kid in high school or whatever that, that has the... the, 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 the t- so I, when, I was, when I was in middle school, this kid named Mark, whose mom was a teacher, and, and Mark would walk in the class, and this, I'm you know, being honest, he'd walk in the class, and he knew all the, like you knew the first day of school when you were in class with Mark, and he's going back and forth, playfully joking with the teachers. You're like, man, this dude's well-connected. Um, they had, you know, talking about being over at the house and, and, and everything. Like, and, and so I was, so he got away with murder because he was that kid that not only had the advantage, but he loved to, to get away with as much as he could and, and knew he was essentially untouchable um, as the teacher's kid. <clears throat> and so I'm in study hall, and um, uh, he sat next to me in study hall, which I, you know, you know huh, this is going to, um, going to be difficult. I'm sure that's what I said um, because of who he was. And then, you know, regularly, he never got in trouble, and as long as he was involved in a problem, I knew I wasn't going to get attention or anything like that, because he's not going to get it. Um, 
then the day came when, um, when the sub was there, and, and he even knew the sub. Like, they're talking back and forth, joking back and forth. And, and she's, like, doing something on her desk, and, and Mark is talking. I, I can't remember what he said or did. And she looked up and said, that's enough. And she looked at me and pointed at me. And I was like, that wasn't me, that was Mark. And she said, I saw your mouth move. Like, you know what I mean? Just that where you know that, that just, that's just not right. And we still, as adults, have that, right? When, when, when people, whether it's at work or whatever, they get away with murder. Um, they get away with that thing that we know we couldn't do. Or they get the promotion because of their connections. Or they don't have to do the thing because they're... And we can, you know, we can fill those things in. And you know how frustrating that is and I think like going back to the Mary Martha thing part of what Martha was distracted with she's not only distracted with the tasks she's distracted by worrying about who needs to be where when in reality um, what Jesus tells this, this, this brother is um, why don't you just let your relationship with God be your enough and not have to worry about getting everything you're entitled to, not have to worry about what that guy's getting away with. Man, you have the ability to sit right now in the presence of God. Can't that be your enough? Isn't that what God is really looking for in the creation of this world is, is connection with his children and, and enoughness in that? So uh, one, uh, a third story, and, and so we got these two stories now. Uh, we were picking up a theme of there's, there's like uh, um, disruption, there's frustration. Then Jesus is involved and like, hey, Jesus, sort this out for me. Fix this. And then it comes back around to actually affecting the person that felt like they were right to begin with, which is like doubly frustrating and humbling. But, but the answer is contentment in the presence of God being rich toward God, as he says in the parable. So now we get to Matthew or uh, Luke 15. Very famous um, story, teaching of Jesus called the prodigal son. I'm going to pick up in uh, 25 in a minute. So um, prodigal son is a story of a father who has two boys, uh, grown boys, uh, we're, we're assuming, and one son asks the father, and this um, would have been extremely scandalous. In fact, there, there are, um, um, I'm just reminded of this, I, I can't remember the name of the book, but there's, there's, a, there's a professor who lived among traveling nomads today in the culture of, of I want to say, I wanna say it's, it's uh, Iraq, and it hasn't changed much since... Um, since the time of Jesus. And, and he would go and he would read these stories from Jesus and watch for their reactions. And this story in particular uh, gave a, a somewhat violent reaction, like it really unsettled the natives. The idea that a son would ask his father for the inheritance early and essentially say, um, you're dead to me. Like this was the ultimate sign of disrespect to the father, which was just an awful um, social whatever, um, in, in Jesus' day and time. So this, this, this is scandalous. This is, this is nasty what this kid did. But the father um, goes ahead and he says, okay, here you go. And the son goes off. And, um, and he, um, 
the younger son goes off and he blows it all. He loses it all. And he finds himself hungry with no food and no money and no resources. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to go back and see if my dad will, will bring me under the shelter of his house and maybe just let me have a servant's job. So, so he goes back to the dad who he, he humiliated in hope of, like, help, help me, dad. I lost everything. I lost half of your net worth. Will you take me back, please? I'm sorry. And, like, everybody's rooting against this kid. And the father sees him, and he runs to him, and he throws this huge celebration in honor of his son coming back. He welcomes him back as a son. The scandal, the, the, this is a disruptive story, right? It doesn't sit well with, with the average person. It's not right. It's not fair. Well, here's the older son who never blew his dad's inheritance, who was always there to help and serve. Here's the older son's reaction. It's in verse 25, 1525. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he hears a loud house beat going, music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them what was going on. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father's killed the fattened calf. I wonder if it was more like your brother's come home and your father's killed the fattened calf. Because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Doesn't want to even be a part of this party. And his father came out and he entreated him. He's like, come on, come on, come on, celebrate with us. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. And I never disobeyed your command. You can almost see like a lip quivering in both sadness and, and, and fury. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with your friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. You're always with me. And everything I have is yours. So the son feels cheated. He's like, why does he get that? I haven't gotten a party. Where's my thing? Where's my appreciation? Father, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. See the way that's that same thing? It's, aren't I enough? We're frustrated because we don't have our, we have our rights and we're not giving them up. Or that guy got that thing or that girl got that thing. And, and, and we're asking, oh, where's mine? God says, let my presence be enough. Now, here's some famous teachings from Jesus. Real quick, lightning round. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> this is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Do not resist the one who is evil. Don't resist the, the meanie. But anyone who slaps you on the right cheek, turn to this is turn the other cheek. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. This was a two-garment society. Jesus literally says, if someone sues the pants off you, give them your undies as well. Like this would have gotten chuckles in his early crowd, okay? And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Roman soldiers who were hated 
because of their role as oppressors and overseers and, 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 and members of the, of the evil empire, they were allowed to ask you to carry their pack a mile. Do you know how humiliating and, and that would be to, to a proud Jewish man to have a Roman pagan say, hey, carry my pack for me. I mean, this would very much be like if somehow Iran were to take over the United States and Iranian Muslim soldiers were allowed to tell you and me, hey, carry my pack with me. Or, or you're, you're my personal Uber, drive me here. And we had, to, we had to do that. Jesus says if they ask you to go a mile, you go too. You see how tough it would be to wrestle with um, those kinds of teachings in, in, lay down your right. Don't worry that they're getting out. I know that Jesus teaches in hyperbole. He talks about cutting off your hand when it causes you to sin. So you got to take that into consideration with those kinds of, of teachings. But <clears throat> what he's doing is he's going for a wrestling match. <clears throat> we got to wrestle with this. What does that mean? as we struggle with the person that got the job that we wanted and that we were more qualified for. As we struggle with, with uh, the, the person uh, who gets away with what we could never get away with. Why can't I get, why does, why does, why does he get all the, 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 the girls? Why, why, do the, why, do, why do they want him? Uh, if they knew who he really was, like I do, why does everyone think she's so great? I know, she's fake. Why does she get that metabolism? <clears throat> Those moments when we feel entitled. Now, man, the real stuff, affirmative action, um, gay rights, women's rights, um, uh, gun control, like, the, like that's the real stuff. And all I can say there is, there you go, figure it out. Just like I got to figure it out for me. Um, I don't know how in every situation I need to respond there, but it sure seems to me like my first thing is, um, is this something extra that I'm fighting for or... Um, should I just be content with friendship with God? Do I really need to worry about her rights or his rights or what he's getting away with? Um, or can, is that a distraction? Can I just be content in my friendship with God? So I want to end on this. Can you um, go to like a low light situation here? Is that doable? I want to just give you a little exercise. This is something that kind of helps me. Um, I want to invite you, like, think meditation. Last week I gave you a card, because I use it all the time to sort out anxiety. Um, <clears throat> this week it's a little breathing exercise. Um, we're going we're gonna to think through the Father's advice to the Son. And when we get to stewing, whether it be in the car, um, don't close your eyes in the car unless you're not driving, um, or you know, on the pillow at night, or whenever you're at a place where you just realize that you are disrupted, 
where you're ready like Martha or like that brother or like the older son to ask God, why do they get that? Or, no, I'm not giving that up. Um, that entitlement thing. Uh, I want you to, to think back to the words of the Father. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And then just take a few minutes. And, and so right now, let's, let's just practice this. I know it might be weird for some of you, but just take a deep breath in. <clears throat> and let it out. Just, just a couple moments. Close your eyes. <clears throat> just in and out. And then with the in-breath, think to yourself, hear the Father say, you are always with me. Just, and like you're breathing in the presence of God. You are always with me. And as you breathe out, whatever it is, you could respond back to God, and that's all I need, or something along those lines. So it might go, breathe in, you are always with me. And as you breathe out, and that's all I need, or and that's enough for me. And just take a couple moments right now, just before we go out to the chaos of the world around us and, and um, um, how this all like meets the road, where the rubber meets the road, just take a minute to do this exercise so that it could be something that you could return to. Just a couple minutes of breathing. You're always, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. And as you do that, you can tell yourself, okay, I didn't get that house. Or right now I don't have that house that she has. I don't have the wife that he has. I don't have the looks that he has. I don't get the attention that she gets. I don't have the parents or the in-laws that they have. I didn't get the promotion that I deserve. But you hear that voice of God saying, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. And you respond back to God saying, you are always with me. And that's all I really need. And let the words of Jesus and that meditation speak to you as you go throughout the week and deal with the complications of life and, and the distractions of life to keep you centered. You and I, right here and now and whenever we want, can step into the presence of God. And thanks to Jesus, we have that for all eternity. What more could we really want? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for that loving voice that calls us back to the eternal reality of your presence. You are always with us. And everything you have is promised to us. What more could we ask for? We're eternally grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, everybody.